So uh, turn to Luke 15. Don't stand yet. Uh, Luke 15. And our preacher and deaf minister over here. Uh, what's your name, brother? Bennett? No, no, the one, the one interpreting. Yeah, you. <laughs> brother Ben. Okay. Well, brother Ben, I'm getting ready to do something. And I'm... <laughs> I have no idea. I'm not trying to leave out the deaf, but it would be kind of interesting how he's going to going to interpret this. <laughs> you that remember Brother Mike Thomas called Coach and Miss Sue, sit right up here. Uh, he became. My friend, the year after 1988 was Nancy's crash and was Miss Sue's crash. Her crash was in May. My wife's crash was in July. They both suffered severe brain damage and uh, he was in California. I go out there to preach and Nancy is with me a year later and they go, do you know Mike Thomas? No, never heard of him. And so they told us their story a little bit and I actually met them out there but uh, we didn't know God was going to move them here. And they became very dear friends. How many in this congregation have heard Mike Thomas without a paper? I'm going to use a paper. He would tell you the prodigal son in the key of F. How many heard him do that? Just three or four? That's not very many. He could do it by memory. I cannot. I'm going to read to you prodigal son, the key of F. Brother Thomas, he could, anytime you ask him, say it, he could do it. Anyway. Feeling footloose and frisky, a feathered brain fellow forced his fond father to fork over the family finances. He flew far to foreign fields and frittered his fortune, feasting fabulously with faithless friends. Finally, facing famine and fleeced by his fellows in folly, he found himself a feed flinger in a filthy farmyard. Fairly famished, he fain would have filled his frame with the forage fragments left by the filthy farmyard creatures. Phooey, my father's flunkies fare far finer, the frazzled fugitive said, frankly facing facts. Frustrated by failure and filled with foreboding, he forthwith fled to his family. Falling at his father's feet, he floundered forlornly. Father, I have flunked and fruitlessly forfeited family favor. But the faithful father, forestalling further flinching, frantically flagged the flunkies. Fetch forth the finest fatling and fix a feast. But the fugitive's fault-finding freighter frowned on the fickle forgiveness of the former folderal, or folderal. <laughs> His fury flashed, but fussing was futile. For the far-sighted father figured, such filial fidelity is fine, but what forbids fervent festivity? The fugitive is found. Unfurl the flags with fanfares flaring. Let fun and frolic freely flow. Former failure is forgotten. Folly is forsaken. And forgiveness forms a foundation for future fortitude. In the key of F. Amen. Anyway, Luke 15 in your Bibles. We're going to continue where we started this morning. Luke 15, if you're able, I'd ask you to stand... 
as we give reverence and honor to the eternal, infallible, inerrant, it's the perfect, preserved Word of the living God. Chapter 15 of Luke, just uh, we're going to breeze through some of this. Verse 1, then drew near unto Jesus, unto him, all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth he not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? Verse number eight, either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it? Verse 11, and a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. He would have feigned had filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. No man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, He said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of the hired servants. Verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. Verse 24, for, the, for, my, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Verse 25. Now, his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked uh, what these things meant. Verse 27, and he said unto him, thy brother is come and thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. Verse 28, and he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou gavest me, thou thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me. And all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Wow. Let's have prayer and see what the Lord has to say to us tonight. Our great God, I again want to say thanks for another Lord's Day. 
Just thank you for health that we all get to be here. Praise your name. Thank you that uh, I get to speak today and preach your word. I do ask you for help. I, I ask for the scripture calls it unction and utterance and power. Please help me, uh, strengthen me, help my mind and uh, to get across your truth. So I'm asking you for power to do this. And so uh, I pray that all of us are willing to hear. In fact, I pray that we're ready to hear. And then, God, I pray that we won't be hearers only. Those that are not yet born again, thank you. Praise your name. You're giving them another opportunity to be forgiven. Thank you. And I said, know you. I pray that our, let's pray that we're willing to surrender to you altogether. Thank you. Thank you for what we've already enjoyed and Jesus, I just want to say, I'm really looking forward to when I get to see you. And it's in your mighty and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So these three paintings, three pictures I talked about this morning, made comment that we have uh, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. These paintings are directed to the scribes and Pharisees. This one, I thought you could maybe catch this in verse 7, if you would do that with me. He says, I say unto you, he's talking to these uh, Pharisees, I say unto the, you that likewise sh joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than 99 just persons, which need no repentance. One of the thoughts that, anyway, I gathered and picked up from that is that the scribes and Pharisees are going, aha, he recognizes who we are. We don't need repentance. We're the just ones. <laughs> I can see people that are messed up in the head and thinking what they are doing is awesome and this guy out here is not speaking correctly and then they go, yeah, I think he might get it after all, how they can turn things inside out. Well, in some ways, this is exactly how they're supposed to receive it. <laughs> it was a mirror for them to see themselves. We don't need repentance. At least he can see that. Uh, back over in verse 25, the son, the elder, he's been working in the field. He was busy for the father. Look at verse 25, the end of it. It says, he drew near the house. He heard music and dancing. I love what Joseph Parker said. He said, it is a poor joy that does not overflow the parlor and get down into the kitchen. <laughs> Everybody should be celebrating. Amen. <laughs> Verse 26. And he called one of the servants and asked, hey, hey, what, what these things mean? 
Well, thy brother has come. Thy father has killed the fatted calf because he's received him safe and sound. So just a little parenthesis here. There is a calf out there that's only eating grain. Some syrup every once in a while. It's the fat one. We're saving that for a special occasion. If you've ever had a fatted calf and you like beef, you know it was good. <laughs> They're saving it. And yet, this older brother, he's upset. Verse number 28, he was angry, would not go, and therefore... What's that about? Why, why would he be angry? His brother came home. Well, it's obvious that part of this, that it all, I should say, stems from something called pride. Now, maybe you're not, maybe I'm, I do go fast sometimes. Jesus is holding up the mirror. And he wants those fellows to say, aha, at least he knows we're righteous. We don't need to repent. And they're seeing themselves. And he says, this guy's angry. And his pride is exhibited. He's ungrateful. He's complaining. Pride, what's this? Pride causes us to leave the authority and the control that we want our own way. But pride also causes us to leave the blessings no longer grateful, don't appreciate what we have. We still want that over there. And it's the same pride that causes us to leave then, even though we're in the middle of it. Wow. I thought this was telling, verse 30. But as soon as this thy son was come, which had devoured thy living with harlots. What? Let's think about that. How does he know? I don't know if anybody heard this morning, but young Bubba was in a far country. And older Bubba doesn't say he followed him. I thought this is fascinating when us that are, I don't know, I could just say clean. Us that are, you know, servants of the Almighty. We're in good standing. We have the ability to know what you wicked people been doing. Now, I think it's fascinating, us, us, that are supposed to have relationship with God, point our finger at, I guess you could call them publicans and sinners, and exaggerate what they do because we want someone to know we're better than they are. Wow. Listen, to, let's think about this. If... Older brother was right. 
that younger brother is a womanizer and a harlot chaser. Shouldn't it even be exploded how much his father can forgive? Rather than go, well, look at that. He's full of self, isn't he? Self-righteousness that he's awesome and others are not as awesome as he is. I forgot to ask you to put a ribbon in uh, Proverbs 23. So I'd like for you to go there with me. I'm, I want to take you a minute to find it. For you that don't know where it is, it's kind of in the middle of your Bible. Just flip around until you see Psalms. It's right after Psalms. Proverbs 23, if you go there, I want to show you something and then I'm going to show you something out of Psalms. My intent is. Psalm 23. Verse number 12. What, what have I said? Did I say Proverbs 23. Okay, I'm looking at Psalm 73 in my things, verse 12. It is Proverbs 23, it's verse 17. I'm looking at verse, anyway, verse 17. Here we go. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. For surely there is an end. What does that mean? There will be an end to the sinners. There's a future coming. There is an end and thine expectation shall not be cut off. If you watch sinners and you watch their behavior and they seem to be keep, they keep getting away with it. Well, there is an end. And our hope, our expectation is not going to be cut off. There is still an end for us too. So we should watch, watch. Older brother is envying, he's jealous that his little brother gets to go out and be gone for whatever length of time. And he comes back, he gets the fatted calf, he gets all of this attention, and I've been here the whole time. What's up with that? He's jealous of him. He's envying him. You flip over to chapter, excuse me, flip over to chapter Psalm 73. Psalm 73. Oh, it's backwards in front of Proverbs. I was headed the wrong direction. Hey, last Sunday I was preaching in Indianapolis and I totally got lost. I, nothing in the pages looked familiar. I was going. And I asked people, Is, are, are we in this book? Yeah. Uh, this chapter? They go, yeah. And I'm going, well, it ain't in there. I don't know where to do all this. <laughs> And it took me, I'm serious, it took me almost over a minute to catch myself. And when I finally caught it, I went, hey, hey don't feel bad for me. This is regular. <laughs> I've always wondered <laughs> when it was going to happen. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm starting to get used to it. Look at verse 12. <laughs> Look at verse 12. So, did I tell you Psalm 73? <laughs> okay. Verse 12. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Now stop. That doesn't seem right, does it? What in the world are the ungodly doing prospering? Verse 13. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long I've been plagued and chastened every morning. 
It's as if the author is saying, hey, hey, they are doing all kinds of stuff and they're prospering and I tried to live right. I cleaned my heart up and everything and I'm plagued and chasing every morning. So I just listen to the definition of plague from uh, Strong's. He says, to beat, to strike, cast down, to be <laughs> defeated. Chasing is to rebuke, reprove, correction. He said, I experience being cast down, reproved, I, just like every day. <laughs> wow. Look, look at verse 15. If I say, I will speak thus. Stop right there. If I say, I'm going to tell people, every day I'm plagued, I'm beaten down, I'm chasing, I'm, I'm rebuked every day. And those people are wicked and they're prospering. He said, watch what he said. If I say that I'm going to tell people this, I will speak thus. Behold, I should offend the generation of thy children. If I start talking like that, I'm talking out of place. I'm talking of totally wrong. I've got to catch myself. I cannot think that the wicked are getting away with it. So here we go. Verse number uh, 16. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Look up here. He's going, hey, hey, this is uncomfortable. When I thought about telling everybody and I realized if I tell everybody, it's going to sound like that God's unfair, that he's not paying attention, he's not doing right. And it was too painful for me. Now watch what he does. <sighs> Until verse 17, I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I therein. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou casted them down into destruction. How are they brought into destruction? As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. Friends, I'm telling you, the older brother is acting like, hey, 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 he got away with everything. He's acting like the father is unjust. The father is not paying attention. Go to the New Testament now. I want to show you something in Matthew 18, please. Now you've got to go past Psalms and Proverbs. The first book of the New Testament, <clears throat> Matthew 18. I'm trying to get you to picture this older brother and... Oh. This is kind of his behavior, if you'll catch this. Look at verse 23. Excuse me. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought to him which owed him 10,000 talents. Mercy. That's almost an innumerable amount. Innumerable amount. It's hard to number it. It's a lot. Impossible to pay it back in a couple of weeks. Verse 25. But for as much as he had not to pay his Lord, he commanded him to be sold and his wife and children all that they had and payment to be made with whatever they could collect. At least they got something from him. Verse 26. But the, the servant therefore fell down and worshiped him. Lord, Lord, have patience, please. Have patience with me. I will pay thee all. And the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Watch verse the same, verse 28, the same servant went out 
and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, like hardly anything. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience, have patience with me. I will pay thee all. He would not. And he went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Now look up here. Is that insane? Someone just forgave him a massive amount of debt. He wouldn't be able to pay it back if he lived two lifetimes and made all the money. He couldn't pay it back. And somebody owes him a, a couple weeks salary, a week's salary, and he won't forgive them? Doesn't that sound crazy? Well, look how crazy it is. Verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said, Oh, thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou have, all, have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I have pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due to him. It does give an explanation. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also to you. If you, and from your hearts you forgive not everyone his brother's trespasses. Ladies and gentlemen, this older brother is not about to forgive his brother. Why? He's full of pride. He's full of self-righteousness. Look what I, 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 who I am. Look what I've done for you and all my behavior. And he, he, he's totally just like this fellow in Matthew 20. He, the father has given to the elder son. In fact, when the younger one left, he gave him, he gave the boy, both of them an inheritance. And now he works. He's, his father got the land. The boy didn't get it. His father did. He has cattle. He has everything at his advantage. And he says, wait a minute. Let me read this verse to you. I was going to have you turn. I'll just read it to you. Here's how it says it in Hebrews 12. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you. Watch. Hebrews is saying, whatever you're going through, God's grace is available. If you reject God's grace, if you fail of the grace of God, if you don't accept it, you will become bitter. A root of bitterness is going to grow up and it will trouble you. Hear me and hear me well. When you get full of pride and you start judging the lost and you start pointing out their problem, you are getting bitter. And Big Bubba's bitter. He's upset. And bitterness only destroys. It never helps Verse 30, um, I'm sorry, back in Luke 15. Verse 30, but as soon as this thy son was come, he doesn't even recognize him to be his brother. He said that he's not even recognizing that his brother has changed Mr. Full of Pride over here couldn't even recognize humility. He couldn't see a humble heart, a broken heart. He couldn't see a contrite heart. All he saw was 
I'm better than he is. So it's like the big brother has two complaints. Verse 29, lo, these many years I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandment, yet thou never gavest me a kid. Can you see how big a crybaby he is? How jealous he is? Looking down on his little brother. That I might make merry with my friends. It's all about him and what he wants. His pride is very evident. And he says it right there in the text, verse 29. Lo, these many years do I serve thee. He's looking at his father. He said, I've been a slave to you all these years. I've done everything you've asked me to do. I've never transgressed your commandment. He's saying, Dad, you are an unjust boss. Excuse me, I don't know if anybody's paying attention, but kind of this morning, I did kind of reference that the, the parable is like the father is like God. And he's saying, Jesus is teaching, he's got the mirror up. You guys are saying that God is unjust. You don't want me hanging out with these publicans and sinners because you're better than they are. You think you deserve it. You think you're doing all these good deeds and you're keeping the law and all that. He says the Father is just. But you don't think he is. Hmm. Verse 20. Uh, verse 20, I think it is. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and earth. Anyway, I'm no more worthy to be called that son. The father says, no, no, no. Bring forth the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. Shoes on his feet. Kill the fatted calf. Ah, let's eat. Let's celebrate. He's back. How does the father behave? The father says, the Bible says that he fell on him and he kissed him. I say it like this. He kissed him much. He's glad, he's glad his boy is home. There are those standing aside going, well, he's really not very clean. We're not even sure he means it yet. I think we need to have a little probation period here. That's what the Pharisees are saying about Jesus with these unclean, unwashed publicans and sinners. They are saying, hey, hey, wait till he cleans up. Wait till they get the rags off of him at least. Let's just watch him and see how he does. You know what the father says to this kind of complaint and criticism? My son is back. He was dead, now he's alive. Let me get my arms around him. I want to hold him. I want to hug him. I want to kiss him. I'm so glad he came home. Mercy's sakes. The father, when he saw the humility of his son and the brokenness of his son, I'm telling you, God recognizes faith. 
We trust him when we're coming to him with our agenda and we've got some ideas of what we want to do when we get in the big house and when we get the back, back in place. God knows that. But he recognizes humility. He recognizes this boy is ready to be hugged and kissed. But the big brother says, uh, you're, I think you're being a little too kind to this guy. You're a little too forgiving. Yeah. Don't you know, Dad, he's manipulating you? What, what, let's think about that. What if the son, now we already know God knows everything and all that, and we know the boy's humble, we know that he's broken, we know that. But let's just say he comes home and he's home a couple of months and he becomes a rebel again. He begins to behave inappropriate. The son's just pretending. Does God, does God say, I will forgive you as long as you're not pretending? Now watch, big brother doesn't know if he's pretending or not because he doesn't have the ability to see humility. God has the ability to see it, but I'm telling you that if we come back in humility, God will forgive us. He doesn't put up stop signs, yield signs, probation signs. He says, I'm glad you're home. Let's have a party. Is everybody getting it? Does that mean he'll never mess up again? I'm pretty sure it doesn't mean that. Because I've been living around you guys. I'm one of us. See, God, the Father has the ability to see past the exterior. He sees the heart. Oh, you got to catch this. He sees the heart of what we call the prodigal. But he sees the heart of big brother, too. He sees the heart of the wicked and the humble. But he knows your heart, too. The mirror is glaring. For some of us. So, Jesus in the text in verse 31, he gives the answer that you're too kind to him and you're too, uh, you're treating me bad, the older brother, and you're being too kind to the younger brother. Here he goes in verse 31. And he said to him, Son, Thou art ever with me. All that I have is thine. Have, have, you not, have, you, yeah. have you not been with me so long that you haven't known that all this is yours? Have I ever told you that you're not getting it? Have I told you that you can't have it? Don't you know all of this has always been yours? We see the Father's love and we see the Father's compassion. This is incredible. This is, time out. Let's just do this. Remember this morning, the Father ran to his son, hugged him, kissed him, let's have a party. Wow. Here we go again. Verse 30. I'm sorry. 
verse number uh, verse 28. And he was angry. The older brother was angry. Would not go in. Watch what happens. Therefore came his father out. Did you hear it? He could have said, what's wrong with that boy? How, how dumb is he? Well, he can sit out there and sulk. That's not what our, that's not what our father does. Our father comes right out to him. To his face. He could have sent someone else. He could have sent a servant and just go tell the bozo to get in here. And since we're talking about it, a nice lady after church, they've only been attending here about a year or a little more, and I forgot their names, but she told me, for you girls, you're bozettes. Because <laughs> her husband lovingly calls her a bozette regularly. <laughs> I wish I could point them out and tell you who they are, but it's good enough. <laughs> He's a bozo. But the father, listen to what the Bible says, he entreated him. He's begging him. He's begging him, lay aside your judgmental attitude. Lay aside your anger. The word entreated means to beg, to make earnest petition. The heavenly father is coming to me and you and our stiff-necked pride. And he's saying, hey, hey, McCracken, come in here. We're celebrating. You can be part of this. You don't have to stay proud. Admit it. Admit where you are. Come in here. He's begging. He's begging. Softly and tenderly. And you and I ignore him week after week after week after week, day after day. Join the feast. Watch what the father does. Overlooking his son's rudeness, his pride, his boasting, his bitterness, the father remains composed and answers in meekness. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. This high brother was dead. He's alive again. Lost and is found. I learned this phrase from my mother mostly, I will wring your neck. <laughs> and if there's any time someone's neck should be wrung, the father comes out there, lovingly, kindly begs him to come in. And the boy is adamant. Somebody should wring his neck. But aren't you glad that our heavenly father yes. is not a neck wringer? How many times will he forgive us? I'm pretty sure it's more than 70 times seven. It's amazing how this pictures our great God. The older son was devoted. The Bible says it. He keeps his father's laws. He does the service he was supposed to do. On the exterior, he's the kind of boy you want. 
Look at that. No, no, no. He's got a lot of that self-righteousness. Everybody in town goes, he's the good one. Proud of him, aren't you? He's, he doesn't miss any services. He's awesome. Says it like this in Isaiah. With their lips they do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. The boy is saying everything you're supposed to out, out loud, but his heart. See, he's out of sympathy with his father's heart. He's out of step with his father's heart. He cannot see the value of his brother. Ladies and gentlemen, this is his brother. And he says he's useless. He's a waste. Scribes, Pharisees, you cannot say that you understand the heart of God and look at these sinners with contempt. Many of us are behaving like Pharisees. We think there are some out there they don't deserve for us to stop and tell them. They're too dirty. We think we're above them. We don't want to get dirty by spending time with them so we can tell them. We don't see the value. Are they ever going to help missions at Southwest? Are they ever going to be able to be like a real teacher and help? Or what? Come on. I ask this question. I'm asking you, how much money do they need to have before you would be willing to tell them? No, no. no. How, many, how many clothes? How, 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 many, how many fine clothes do they need to have before you are going to have a burden that you say, well, I can tell them. Here it is. How many teeth do they have to have before you're going to walk up to them? Tell them there's a Savior that He can get them out of this mess. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not just a passage in the Bible where someone's in the pig pen and gets help. It can happen every day to somebody. How many do you have to reach? When are we going to realize that one is worth it? Brother Ron Lindsay and I went to Bible college at the same time. I knew who he was because he was one of those, he was single, he was one of those guys that was the tall, dark, and handsome. And I wasn't. I was Goober from Kentucky. <laughs> so I don't know if he knew me or not, but I knew who he was, and we probably spoke a time or two. But we weren't friends, and we didn't know each other. When he got out of college, he went to Southeast Baptist Church in Tulsa, and I came to First Bible here in the city. It was 1978. I became, we didn't call them bus pastors back then. I wish we would have. I became the bus man. So we had like five buses, one or two vans if they worked. And... Uh, 
I remember, I remember we were having uh, inflation hit us terribly and gas was climbing. And it went up from 50 cents to 75. <laughs> went up to 80. Oh, I was hating this. I said it out loud to more than one person. I'm ashamed. Well, I'm just telling you, I said it out loud. I'll tell you what I'll do. If gas goes to a dollar a gallon, I ain't buying it. There you go. I fixed that, didn't I? <laughs> I was on I-35 up around Frontier City and my car was on empty. I had to make a decision. <laughs> I did not walk. Nineteen eighty, a dollar a gallon. I knew that Brother Ron worked with the buses at Southeast. And I'm not sure why and how the conversation or how we talked, but we were talking on the phone and I said to him, Brother Ron, they have several buses up there. I said, what are you going to do about the bus ministry? What are you talking about? I said, what are you all going to do about the bus ministry? We are going to keep having a bus ministry. I said, no, 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 no. Gas is a dollar a gallon. What are you going to do about it? Because you've got to evaluate how many of those kids grow up and be servants in the church and you're going to get a return? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. We know it's small. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe we ought not be spending so much money in the bus ministry. Now, I'm a genius in 1980. I'm a young man. I understand finances really good. <laughs> Brother Lindsay said, Dave, you're looking at this all wrong. He said, how many boys, how many boys need to get saved if gas is a dollar a gallon for it to be worth it? And I know, I know what we all say. If only one gets saved, it's all worth it. And we say that a lot. We say it at youth camps, we say it at rallies, we say it at church, all that. We say it like we mean it. But then Brother Lindsay said, Dave, what if you were that one little boy that got saved? That changed everything. I didn't care if gas cost $10 a gallon. I want somebody to come and pick me up and tell me that Jesus is the Savior. Tell me I can be forgiven. I can have eternal life. And Brother Lindsay, he's here tonight, but I'm telling you, it changed everything from then on. I don't care how much money it is. If it's me, spend it. And we're all turned inward like the big brother, aren't we? You're going overboard, Dad. I do know this. The scripture in the three, in the first two accounts, parables, it says they search for it. Till they found it. They didn't give up. They kept going and looking and searching with a light, with a broom, till they found it. And it says they brought in their neighbors and they rejoiced and shouted. And heaven shall shout over one sinner that repenteth. Heaven did not shout when Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. Heaven did not shout when America declared her independence on July 4th, 1776. Heaven did not shout when Abraham Lincoln emancipated the slaves in 1863. 
Heaven did not shout when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. But all of heaven shouted on October the 17th, 1963, when a little burr-headed boy walked the aisle named Dave McCracken, and he got saved. And all of heaven shouted over one. Who are you and your arrogant self? What is wrong with you? Well, I don't know if I can lead someone to Christ. I don't know. And I don't. Well, how many do you have to lead to be worth it, friend? I don't know if you know this, but the Bible kind of promises if you go, you'll doubtless. That's all I'm just saying. The Bible says you'll come again with rejoicing. Here's the deal. Some of you never led anybody to Christ because you don't have the burden you should for one. You think, well, I'll never be able to be a real soul winner and lead a lot of people to Christ. So I, excuse me? I am weary with the kind of pharisaicalism that we have in, our, in this church. That you don't witness, you don't lead people to Christ, you don't, you don't make an effort to do it because, well, you're just better than they are. You go, no, no, I'm not better than they are. Why aren't you telling them? Why aren't you? Well, I just don't know. I, I don't know how to do it. Excuse me? You go, in, you go into a fast food place, someone's standing on the other side of the counter, you've never met them, never seen them in your life, and you speak to them. Well, I want to order something. Can you imagine you that are using the excuse that you're nervous? You, I, don't, I don't know what I'd say. I, get tongue -tongue. I can't talk to people. Liar, liar, pencil on fire. You talk to people all the time. You're in McDonald's, but you're one of them shy people. Oh, yeah, I've met you. You just could never witness to anybody. But you're in McDonald's, and here's how you go. And the person says, uh, may I help you? Uh, sir, I'd like to help you. Could, could you make an order? And there's three people behind me going, hey, Bubba, I'll buy it. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> and then they say, you want to make it a biggie? <laughs> and then they go, what would you like to have to drink? None of you behave like that. But you act like you have to behave like that if you knock on someone's door you don't know. Or we talk to someone in the, in the parking lot you don't know. The devil has lied to us and tricked us acting like that we don't have the ability to tell others. He's a liar. And you've swallowed it because you're a Pharisee. You know what us Pharisees need to do? I wrote it down like this. We need to understand where we are. We need to understand our condition. We need to recognize that we are out of step with the Father. 
We need to recognize that the Father's love is real and it's enough. We should feel dirty. We should feel guilty and shameful and broken and unworthy. We need to realize our Father's heart is big enough for everyone. Our Father's goodness is enough. His kindness is enough. His forgiveness is enough. His wings are big enough for everybody. We should be coming to the end of ourselves and humbling ourselves. It's the end of our own ideas, the end of our own ways. We need to be willing to humble ourselves publicly. Realize that our behavior is sin. Become willing to confess. Realizing our confession is before everybody on this planet and heaven too. It doesn't matter who sees it. Why well, just couldn't do that? You know, that's the problem. We haven't humbled ourselves yet. It doesn't matter what others think or say. No strings attached. Come back to our Father on His terms. No expectations. Willing to do anything. Go anywhere. Do whatever He asks us to do. We're not demanding. We have no expectations. We don't have to live in the big house. But our pharisaical attitude keeps us right over here. And the mirror is right up in front of you tonight. We need a revival. We need a revival of our hearts being wrenched and poured out before God in true brokenness and humility before God. Because one is worth it. I ask you to stand with me. Thank you for listening. I'd like to pray, our great God, I come to you again. I just want to say thanks. Thank you for the truth of the Bible. Thank you that it speaks to us individually. It's not just somebody else, it's about me. Thank you, God. I pray we will be humble come to you with no strings and we'll love them like you love them. If someone's not saved, I beg you to bring great conviction to them where they will not wait any longer. Tonight's the night. This is the moment to say yes. Receive you. Please, God, give them that kind of courage to step out tonight. Thank you, Christ. Our heads are bowed and Brother Aaron's going to begin. If you need to come, you and God know that. I'm, I'm, I'm certain God is not confused. If he's touching you, there's some business you need to do.